I'm guessing that every single person listening to this right now, during this time of the coronavirus in 2020, is feeling a sense of overwhelm and uncertainty. Those feelings are even more pronounced for anyone who has been ordered to stay at home and finds themselves living 24/7 with people who we otherwise might only interact with on a consistent, but not constant basis. Our question this episode: How can we make sure constant togetherness doesn't hurt our relationships? Welcome to episode sixty-six of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilo. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. It's really hard to know where to begin when talking about how our lives have changed in the past couple of months. Much of our focus, because of the coronavirus, has been on moving our work, social lives, and entertainment from happening in person to happening on Zoom and other virtual platforms. The news is flooded with coronavirus information and updates, all of the clinical, technical stuff that we need to know to get through this, and. We're all moved by stories from around the world of people's loss as well as their resilience, by the stories of the heroes working to save lives in hospitals, food pantries, and shelters, by the pastors, musicians, poets, comedians, and artists who are trying to keep us connected to beauty, laughter, meaning, and one another, and by neighbors who offer community support and encouragement to one another while standing at least. Six feet apart. In the midst of all that change, there's also a shift that's happening much closer to home, as in it's happening in your home. With many communities, states, and even countries operating under a shelter-in-place order, we find ourselves in constant company with other people. Not only that, but we're not with everyone because we want to be, like we would be if we were on vacation. Or at a party. In this case, we have little choice in the matter. And while these are people we've chosen to live with, whether that's family or roommates, we didn't expect to be in one another's presence basically twenty-four-seven. Part of what makes cohabitation work in normal circumstances is that we're not all together all the time, and we're certainly not only with each other all the time. In a typical day, we come and go. We go to work, school, church, social gatherings, to coffee shops and restaurants, sporting events, concerts, meetings, the gym, the park, or the beach. Kids have sleepovers, and adults have dinner parties. We spend time together and apart, do things alone and with other people, and the variety of interactions keep us emotionally balanced and appreciative of the people that we share a home with. As I thought about this, I was thinking about something that has happened to my husband and me frequently, and might have happened to you too. And it's kind of a strange phenomenon. Let's say you and your partner you love each other. You both work a lot, and spending time alone, just the two of you, is something that you treasure. So you go on vacation, thinking, "Wow, we'll have all this time together, and we'll have a chance to really connect." But a few days into it. You start getting a little snippy with one another. Little things start to bug you. Your patience grows thin, and before you know it, tensions are thick, and one of you is staying in your room while the other is off to explore the city. 
I share this to bring home the point that while we love being with the people we love, there is such a thing as too much togetherness, and that's what many people are experiencing right now. The vacation story doesn't even capture the challenging twist on the situation because a vacation is supposed to be a time of relaxation and unwinding. Togetherness, right now in the context of a shelter-in-place or quarantine order, is a time of enormous tension and uncertainty. We're worried about our health, our loved ones, our jobs, our neighbors, small business owners, healthcare workers, the economy, and vulnerable people. And this new normal means we have to be even more mindful of how we communicate and be with one another. When I first started thinking about this post, I had about a half dozen tips in mind to share, and I was going to take a rather practical approach. And I can still see sharing those very specific tips another time very soon. But when I stepped away from the computer for a little while and took a break from writing, I realized that today. There's only a need for me to offer one simple mantra that I hope will support you when you're struggling or tired or annoyed, and that is space and grace. It was maybe ten years ago when I first put those two words together as a personal mantra to call upon when I was feeling overwhelmed or lost as I worked to get my business off the ground. I felt like the words were an invitation to a way of being that reminded me to be patient with the process and be compassionate with myself. And now I hear those two words in a new light. Here's how I'm using them today, and how I hope that you might find them useful. Space, of course, can mean the obvious of staying six feet or more apart from other people. And it doesn't matter if you're sharing 600 square feet or 6,000 square feet with others. Physical space doesn't necessarily mean that you have emotional space. There are a lot of emotions happening right now, and we need space to process them. We need space to grieve. We need space to create. We need moments of solitude, some of us more than others, to be able to be alone without everyone else thinking that we're mad or upset or depressed. And even as I say that, so what if you are mad or upset or depressed? We need space to feel everything that we feel. I was recently on a Zoom call with some colleagues, and to open it up, the person who got us together asked a question. They said, "What's a thorn in your side, and what's a ray of light?" And When it got to my turn, I said, "Sometimes the thorn in my side is trying to come up with a ray of light." <laughs> I, you know, sometimes the the feeling of I have to be optimistic, I have to see the bright side,、um, I have to, you know, put on a happy face or whatever it is. That can get kind of frustrating and exhausting, and and so while I appreciated that、um, they were asking for both the thorn in the side and the ray of light. It was a moment for me to just acknowledge that sometimes feeling optimistic, and especially as a coach, we're called on to be positive,、um, to encourage other people and lift things up. Sometimes the pressure of that is a little intense, and it can keep us from really feeling what we honestly feel. And sometimes that feeling is despair, or upset, or depression. We have to feel the grief and the sadness. And if 
I don't feel my grief and my sadness, I won't get to any ray of light. I won't feel genuine peace or acceptance. We must give ourselves and others space. To give space also means to offer and feel patience. It means to understand that this is going to take as long as it's going to take. And while we definitely have a role in slowing the spread, there's so much that's out of our control. We add to the stress already inherent in the situation when we become impatient with ourselves and those around us. Allowing space in conversation in the form of silence and taking a breath before we speak can go a long way to diffusing tension and helping us self-manage when someone says or does something that activates us or pushes our buttons. If you find frustration building up inside you, that's the time to take the power of the pause, to just take a moment, three or four seconds, before you respond to the other person. Take a breath, two seconds in and two seconds out. Ask yourself, what would it mean to respond with space and grace here? What would create more space in this moment? Do we need to take a break? Do we need to go into our separate corners so we can cool off? How can I slow myself down enough that I can think more clearly? Do what you can to create a space that allows for people to express themselves openly and honestly. My husband and I have had some wonderful conversations over the past few weeks, sharing exactly what we are feeling about what's going on in the world. We spoke aloud our fears and our concerns. It's really powerful to do that. When we keep it to ourselves, it just becomes so big and it can feel like we're so alone. So even just talking about that with one other person and saying it out loud has tremendous power. And we talked about not just our fears, but where we felt hope and what we hoped would happen when life returned with some sense of normalcy. It's so important to be able to say things that we might not normally say out loud and trust that what we share will not just be held in confidence, but it won't be judged or corrected. We've tried to give each other lots of space to do our own thing while still taking care of one another. My husband and I were both introverts, so we've always been really good about being alone together. We actually enjoy it and find it somewhat comforting. Of course, we spend lots of time being together and doing the same activity as a couple. Just because we're together 24-7 now doesn't mean that we have to change our rhythm completely. We spend some time during our days together, and we spend some time apart. Honoring our need for space is part of how we're coping. It might mean hanging out in different rooms, or one person walking the dog while the other stays home, or going for a drive or to the grocery again, while the other person stays home. The most important thing is to give you and those around you physical space to do your own thing and emotional space to feel all of the emotions that you feel. Space is most powerful when you pair it with grace. Grace is my favorite word. I don't have any tattoos, but if I did, it would be the word grace. It captures so many ideas for me. It's about compassion forgiveness, imperfection, gratitude, beauty, ease, assuming best intent, having a soft and open heart, generosity. And when I use it in the context of space and grace, I mean all of those things. 
Think about a moment in the past few weeks when you've been frustrated or even angry with someone. What would happen if you let grace take the lead? To let grace lead means to look at the person and the situation with compassion and empathy rather than criticism. It means you're giving the other person permission to be imperfect. You're remembering that they very likely don't mean harm. And even if they do, it's because they're feeling pain or fear, not because they're a bad person. If you look at them through the lens of grace, you can see that they are doing their best, even when they mess up, or if we think they're failing us somehow. We remember that they're having a hard time too, that they are feeling impatient and anxious, just like we are. To treat someone else with grace means to acknowledge and see their humanity. Leading with grace also helps us to see that tension doesn't have to escalate. We don't have to have a strong reaction every time something doesn't go the way we want or someone doesn't do what we want. We can take a breath, give it some space, and decide that we don't need to get upset. If someone yells at us, we don't need to yell back. We have a choice, and space and grace helps us to see that. Being able to see others with the eyes of grace requires that we see ourselves in that same way. We must be able to be compassionate and forgiving of ourselves. For me, that's shown up as saying, I give myself permission to, when it comes to certain behaviors and feelings. I give myself permission to feel overwhelmed, to feel frustrated, to watch a little bit too much TV, or to play too many rounds of mini crossword puzzles on the New York Times app, or to eat pancakes for lunch, or take a nap at 11 a.m., or even to feel sadness or self-pity. The beauty of it is that when we give ourselves permission, we can experience whatever it is that our mind and body needs, and then we can move on. Letting myself do those things is a way of treating myself with grace. It gets it out of my system so that I can move on to different habits and behaviors. Grace means that I'm not judging myself harshly, but rather allowing all of me to show up and have a say in my life. If acting on my impulses and harmless addictions gives me some sense of control when everything else feels out of control, that's okay, as long as I'm not hurting myself or anyone else giving ourselves permission doesn't mean that we're going to stay in that place forever. But if we don't acknowledge it and even indulge it a little bit, we end up suppressing it. And then it comes out sideways and in an unhealthy way, like eating or drinking too much, picking fights or sinking into deep depression. Giving ourselves and others space and grace means that we're acknowledging that this is hard. This is hard. Space and grace isn't meant to mask your emotions and put on a happy face. It's meant to remind you to give yourself and those around you room to be real. And ultimately, as we move through this, to give them room to heal. Your call to action is to make a sign or a note that says space and grace and put it somewhere that you can see it on a regular basis. If the phrase space and grace doesn't resonate with you, think of what would. Think of what would help you to maintain some serenity and calm and to take a breath and make a sign or a note of that. It might be breathe or one day at a time or let go and let God or be here now. 
consider what words would support you most in handling the uncertainty and tension and overwhelm that boils up as you go about your days. I'm going to post a few space and grace images that you can download and print on this episode website, and you can find that at howcanisaythis.com. You can download and print them or make them your home screen background on your phone or your laptop or desktop computer. The objective is not just for ourselves, but let's share it. Let's try to spread the word and support each other by taking a selfie of you with your sign, or if you wish, just sharing an image of your sign. Use the hashtag space and grace when you share, even if you end up using a different phrase. That way I can find it and I can help others to find it. I'd love to see your signs on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, and even LinkedIn. During this time, let's remember our interconnectedness and let's encourage one another to stay strong. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? You can find past episodes, leave a review, find your space and grace image to print out, and learn more about the show at HowCanIsayThis.com. A special thank you to our podcast producer, Paul Messing. Our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you and yours are staying safe and healthy and that you are finding ways to both grieve and feel the losses that you're experiencing as well as feel a sense of gratitude for the things that are important in your life and the the gifts that you do have. And I invite you to take what you've heard here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.